This is Limitless Spirit, a practical, inspirational, and thought-provoking weekly podcast about the impact of faith and Christian identity in today's world. And now here's your host, champion of Jesus and people who love Him, world traveler and co-founder of World Missions Alliance, Helen Todd. Welcome to the Limitless Spirit podcast. Two days ago, for the first time in the 21-year history of World Missions Alliance, we had to cancel a mission. It just didn't feel like traveling to Thailand through Hong Kong and Seoul was a good idea, considering the outbreak of the coronavirus in both of these countries, as well as in other countries around the world, including our own. Yet, I think that the church today has a special mission, especially in the time when the world does not have the answers. So what is that mission of the church today? I was also thinking that there's possibly something good that can come out of this epidemic. In this and the following episodes, we will discuss these questions in the conversations with Rabbi Kurt Schneider. He's a Christian Jewish believer and author and the host of a popular television program, Discovering the Jewish Jesus. First, though, we're going to look at the facts. The world leaders, economists, and news media are comparing the socioeconomic impact of this epidemic with the outbreak of SARS in 2003, another virus that originated in China. And here are the statistics. SARS epidemic lasted from November 2002 through July 2003. It infected 8,089 people and killed 774. At that time, it mostly affected China's economy and it slowed its growth by between one half and one percent. At that time, China's economy accounted for roughly four percent of the world's GDP. Almost two decades have passed since, and the international travel to and from China has increased tremendously, so it is not a surprise that the new epidemic left the borders of China at a much faster pace and affected a larger number of people around the world. The coronavirus epidemic affected significantly larger number of people, over 100,000, I believe, now between December 2019 and March of 2020. And the number of deaths is higher as well at about 2,100 or more. But if you look at the percentage, it is clear that the coronavirus is not nearly as deadly as SARS. On the other hand, today China's economy accounts for over 16% of the world's GDP and of course has a higher effect on the world than it did in 2003. But the question remains, what will create a bigger impact, the coronavirus or the panic? Can fear be good? Yes, if it is the fear of God. Can the coronavirus has a positive impact on the world? I believe yes, if the world recognizes that with all of our technological advances, we're still vulnerable and dependent on God's mercy. Another event that turns minds to biblical plagues is the worst in 25 years infestation of desert locust that is spreading from the Horn of Africa to the Persian Gulf region and to the Asian countries as well. And in spite of efforts to contain this infestation through mass chemical spraying, it only continues to grow. In fact, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization officials declared that it represents an unprecedented threat to food security and livelihoods of people. 
I believe that this is a very fine hour for the church and for every Christian individually. It is a moment for us to shine, to offer hope, to offer truth, and to offer love. With the magnitude of the circumstances that the world is facing today, I believe it is time for the body of Christ to mobilize and to reach for a higher level and become aware of that power within us and use it for the sake of the people and for the glory of God. I reached out to Rabbi Kurt Schneider to discuss what are some of the practical ways for us to achieve that hidden potential within us. If you're not familiar with him and his ministry, you may want to tune in into his very fascinating and popular television program, Discovering the Jewish Jesus. He grew up in a conservative Jewish family, but had a personal encounter with Jesus as a young man. The last 40 years of his life have been a passionate pursuit of Jesus and bringing people around him to the same experience. Rabbi Schneider has authored several books. Among them, the one we're going to discuss today is called Experiencing the Supernatural. Hello, Rabbi Schneider. Welcome to our podcast. It's good to be with you today, Helen. We are looking forward to April 17th when you will be speaking at World Missions Alliance Greater Purpose Conference in Bentonville, Arkansas. So with that in mind, I want to ask you, what do you think is the greater purpose for the church and every Christian as an individual today, especially in the light of the times that we're living in? Well, I would say that the answer is multidimensional. I'd like to simply begin with the experience that my wife Cynthia had some months back. And uh, she was in like a dream state. She was about to wake up and she was crying out to the Lord. And she felt like the power and the holiness of, of God. It was a very holy, weighty moment. And, you know, she was just before the Lord in uh I don't want to say fear and trembling, but just a great sense of his, his holiness and, and the awe of him. And she was saying to the Lord, what's next? Where do we go from here? And the Lord spoke back to her. She heard his voice audibly in her sleep, not with her ears, but she heard his voice clearly in the spirit. And he said to her, keep on preaching Jesus boldly, and then I will return. So I would say that, number one, the purpose of the church is to the same purpose that Yeshua gave us 2,000 years ago when he said, you shall be my witnesses, and this gospel shall be preached in Jerusalem, Samaria, even to the uttermost parts of the earth, and then the end shall come. So I would say, number one, if we're looking for a purpose of the church in the earth and in ministry as it relates to impacting the world, we need to continue to boldly proclaim the truth, and we need to be able to do it with the depth with the sensitivity, with discernment and understanding so that we can relate to the people and the culture that we're living in. And we need to be able to do it in a way, Helen, that, that people can experience the now Jesus, not some antiquated you know, message that they might have heard in their church you know, 50 years ago or 20 years ago or when they were growing up that was basically so, so much not oftentimes addressing the deeper issues of life that people were struggling with. But it needs to be a now word. It needs to be a word that people understand that Jesus is real, that he's alive, that he's beautiful, that he's with you wherever you're at right now, that he can deliver you and help you from whatever anxieties, brokenness, problems that you're having. So um, the, the gospel needs to be preached, but it needs to be preached in a way that is relevant and makes Jesus real to people. So what is the relevant way? 
Well, I think the relevant way, uh, it demands discernment. It, you know, it's not something that can be just taught in a classroom so much. I mean, it's something that involves people that have grown close enough to the Lord through their walk over the years, just sitting before him in silence and waiting on him and just clinging to him and talking to him every day and just putting him first in their life that they gain a weight or a depth in the spirit. And this, it's a spiritual discernment. It's, you know, it's his weight that comes upon an individual that gives that individual wisdom so that whenever they're in a situation They'll be able to sense the atmosphere of the situation they're in, the atmosphere of, of the group of people that they're ministering to, or the atmosphere of an individual that they're sharing with, and they'll be able to almost prophetically be able to know what needs to be said in the given moment. So it's not like a, a necessarily a right way. I mean, the, the gospel principles are never changed. You know, the fundamentals of the faith that, you know, Jesus died for our sins, that he's the only way into relationship with the Father, that never changes. But how to make that real to people and how to bring forth uh, his beauty, that's what doesn't. Here's an example. So I had somebody come to my office actually earlier this week that's not a committed Christian. They're just struggling. They're in the world. They're, you know, all over the map. They're, you know, don't really have revelation of the exclusivity of Jesus. And this woman came to my office. She's a, a tailor. And, uh, she was getting ready to go on vacation, and I have a book that I just recently wrote called Rivers of Revelation. It's a devotional. It's a hundred days devotional, you know, two pages each day, so anybody could read it, you know, two days every every day anybody can read. So this woman was getting ready to go on vacation, so I, I felt led to give her my book, Rivers of Revelation, and when I went over to get the book in my closet, I silently, in my mind, I heard and saw the number 51. So I was, uh, I'm attuned enough with the, with the Lord that I recognize that that silent voice I heard was the spirit. So I said to this woman, I said, listen, I said, you know, as I was about to pull, pull this book up for you, I just got uh, in my mind, the spirit just spoke to me, the number 51. So we're going to turn to page 51 now. I'm going to read it to you because I believe God's got something here for you and that he told me that we should turn to page 51. There's something that he wants to say to you. So I opened the book. I read page 51. And she said, wow, she said, when you read that, I felt like all that, like this warmth inside of me. And she was like, you know, it was like a supernatural experience for her. So I was able to show her that God was real right there. You know, the message on page 51 is that, uh, you know, what the true satisfaction in life comes from the spirit of the Lord. But that's what I'm talking about, walking in such a way that we can, we can bring Jesus uh into the now, you know, he's the I am, the living God, not just an old time gospel that, you know, happened 2000 years ago, but the reality of the presence of the Lord right now. This is a very interesting point. And it seems to me that what you are saying is that as Christians, we have to reach to a higher level. We cannot just be just the churchgoers who are dutifully attending church and receiving and receiving without giving out. It also calls us to a deeper self-awareness of that hidden potential within us. And I think you touched on that in your book that you wrote a few years ago, Experiencing the Supernatural. So what does it take for a Christian to get to that higher level? Well, really uh, insightful and pointed question, Helen. I would say, number one, it, it is the grace of God. You know, just as a side note, before I speak directly to the question, one of the things that kind of doesn't resonate well with me is, you know, you have somebody 
that has like a sovereign supernatural experience. I mean, sometimes these people weren't even looking for God or they were looking in the wrong place. But God in his grace and in his mercy and in his sovereignty, he visits that person, shows himself to that individual, transforms that person's life. Then the next thing you know, that person's writing a book about how to do it. When the reality is they didn't do anything. God just came to them supernaturally and that's how they did it. And now they're trying to give people, you know, a five-step uh, track to follow. And if, if you follow these five steps and, you know, you're going to walk in the supernatural or you're going to be able to lay your hands on the sick and they're going to be healed. And, you know, it's just like it's not really genuine to me because these people that are teaching that sometimes they didn't get there that way. They got there because of the grace and sovereignty of God. It was a supernatural call on their life. Amen. And so I think that's the first thing that needs to be said. You know, all glory goes to God. It begins just like the Apostle Paul. You know, he was on his way to arrest any Jew that believed in Jesus. And suddenly, you know, bam, the power of God appears to him in a blinding light, knocks him off his horse. You know the story, Helen, as well as I. He says, who are you? And he says, I'm Yeshua, I'm Jesus. And then the Lord says, now get up and it'll be told what you must do for me. You know, Paul said he was chosen from his mother's womb to be the apostle of the Gentiles. So the first thing I would say is it's rooted in the sovereignty and the grace of God. But that being said, now that we've laid that and given all glory to God, there are things that we can do and should do because we are in partnership with God. And even though God is sovereign, and even though he's the initiator, we love him because we, he first loved us. That doesn't mean that we do nothing. It means that if we truly want to enter into all that he has, then we need to do our part because God is looking for somebody to love him back. That's all God wants. He died for us, not just to forgive us for our sins, but he died for us because he was looking for a partner in love. And so he's looking for us to love him back. That's why Jesus said in John 14, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And then I will disclose myself to him, and my father and I will make our home or abode in him. So the first thing that we need to realize to walk at a higher level, we need to cultivate a love for Jesus. And a love for Jesus is not a feeling. It's a decision. You know, the Lord never said whosoever feels. He said whosoever will. So practically, what does this mean? It means that if we're going to say, I want to love you, Jesus, and recognize that's a choice that we can make. We have control over that because love is a decision and it's an action. So that to me, that means we put him first in our life. And the first thing we do to put him first in our life is we spend time with him every morning. But God sees that we've created the time. So even if your mind wanders, don't give up. Just keep bringing yourself back saying, Lord, I've committed this time to you every day. And I'm going to spend the first time of that day just sitting before you. And Father, I thank you that you forgive me if my mind wanders, if my heart doesn't seem to feel you, even if it feels like I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it because I believe, Lord, that you're a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. So to form the discipline of doing it, even when you don't feel like doing it. We will pause this conversation until the next episode. The takeaway from this episode is this. If the outbreak of coronavirus awakens the world to the fact how much they need God, the benefit of that will outweigh any negative impact that it may cause. This fact presents us, the body of Christ, with a mission that requires of us to reach for the next level in our personal faith and the ministry that God has assigned to us. Rabbi Kurt Schneider suggests three practical steps in achieving this higher level, with step one being cultivating the intentional love for Jesus. 
In the following episode, we will discuss steps two and three. Don't miss these practical steps for being more than conquering all circumstances. Though not everyone may see it this way, I believe they're more practical than hoarding sanitizer and toilet paper. Until the next time. Thanks for listening to Limitless Spirit with Helen Todd, produced by World Missions Alliance. Are you ready to step out of your comfort zone? Do you have a passion to help people and share your faith across the globe? Visit our website, rfwma.org, and get involved in the Great Commission through short-term missions. We hope you'll leave a review and check out other episodes. We'll be with you in a week on our next episode of Limitless Spirit.